Hello, today, tonight, whatever time it is you're watching this, we're going to be talking about dissidents and, uh, let me write this out here for you, dissidents, maybe perpetual, perpetual dissidents and post- Humanism, perpetual dissidence, and, and post-humanism. <laughs> I can't fit it. Whatever. All right. So the uh, yesterday it was a pretty cold morning. I went for a walk out in the pier, and I it was uh, minus ten Celsius, or about, that's about fourteen Fahrenheit. So the the snow was pretty crunchy. That and almost squealed when I walked on it. So I got a coffee, and I'm out going for a morning walk out in the pier uh, on the lake. And uh, uh, the pier at the beach uh, was just covered in a thin layer of snow. Uh, but for the further out I went, the the a layer of ice developed under the under the snow on the pier. And the further out I went the more I noticed. At first, it was just concrete and snow, and then it was a little bit of, of ice under the snow, and then that ice grew to be like little ripples under the snow, and then that ice grew to have uh, little marbles under the snow, and then those marbles grew to their almost the size of tennis balls, so it was wavy ice with tennis balls, and uh, it was obvious you could see it, but I got to the point where I was trying not to twist my ankle walking. So I had to stop and turn around and, uh, and go back. So the, uh, I thought of this as a, as a great metaphor for signal to noise, where my wanting to get to the tip of the pier was the signal or the path that I wanted to take, and the ice was the, uh, the noise floor, literally. So I thought about how the noise prevented me from reaching my goal, at the uh, the beacon at the tip of the pier, which got me thinking about uh, dissidents being noise, which prevent totalitarian governments or cabals or interests from attaining their goal. So this concept of having goals being blocked by noise is not intrinsically a bad thing if that signal is a bad thing, then the noise is a good thing. Jamming that signal is a good thing. So uh, depending on what side you're on, right, it's uh, it's simply a challenge. At that, at, uh, so at that point of having my coffee out in the pier, I, I had an epiphany walking the snow and realizing, thinking about this distant stuff, that, that uh, it, it was a multi-layered epiphany. And uh, it was jammed into my skull from forces unknown. <laughs> Where do our thoughts come from? Who knows, right? Could have been my subconscious perkling up. So, so I'll share that epiphany that was jammed into my skull by forces unknown with you now. <laughs> uh, but it's it's more of a hypothesis of dissidence, humanity, evolution. Uh, genetic programming and the, of course, the new world order. 
uh, as per the globalists conference that is happening whilst I speak <laughs> in Davos, Switzerland, the World Economic Forum 2024 conference, their uh, biggest concern, or at least one of their biggest concerns, uh, overtly, is gaining the trust of the Oompa Loompa, little people, useless eater, uh, filthy uh, masses. Which is interesting given that the globalists do not trust the people, but they want the people to trust them. They don't trust the people to make the proper choices and decisions from the perspective of the globalists, of course. The wealthy elite, they don't trust the the uh, yeah, the dirty masses. So hence their, their plans for total domination and total control over the ignorant masses. Well, uh, you know, who will own nothing and will be happy? Who will eat the bugs, right? Well, the globalist elite own everything and eat all the cows. <laughs> like, uh, what's his face? Zuckerberg was bragging about how his cows that he has in one of the Hawaiian islands are fed beer. They feed it beer to make the beef taste better. So he's obviously uh, not interested in eating bugs, <laughs> right? They want the useless masses to eat the bugs now. I don't know if Zuckerberg is even in the uh, World Economic Forum's uh, conference or meeting or whatever you want to call it, but uh, he's definitely one of them. So when you first encounter things, they've most likely always been there, but you just didn't notice. Like uh, like the metaphor of the the ice floor on the uh, on the pier. At first, I didn't really notice the ice. Uh, just snow on solid concrete and a slip here, a slip there. And then you realize you're on ice. So you walk accordingly. Then the little frozen waves under the snow get a little larger, less level. And they start including the little ice balls. Those little ice balls get bigger and larger and turn into the size of tennis balls until you're walking on nothing but ice balls and are straining to not twist your ankle. We call this progression. This is what uh, progressives are. Uh, things get progressively worse and and worse until you have to turn back. So the path of the signal is not easily attainable due to the increased noise floor. It's ironic that in engineering we actually call the level of noise the noise floor. So perhaps this is a signal from the universe above the noise floor of ice. So what could other manifestations of this noise floor in our interaction with the data signal from objective reality be? When, when people refuse to accept or listen to certain events that are unfolding around them and put their head in the sand, uh, that, that certainly blocks the signal. Uh, it's an impassable, impassable? Impassable, unpassable. I think it's impassable. It's an impassable noise floor. Why would people knowingly choose to ignore information that could harm them by ignoring it? Putting our head in the sand is not protecting us in any way, nor is intentionally living in an idiotic, imaginary bubble. It's not a bubble of happiness. It's not a bubble of safety. It is a phantom bubble, and you are in danger. <laughs> 
it's a uh, it's a form of cognitive defense, perhaps. You know, uh, but it's clearly not defending the individuals who believe in this imaginary bubble of not protection, right? So they're putting themselves in this bubble and they are putting themselves in danger and they are uh, the sheep being led to the slaughter. So whom then are they protecting, if not themselves? Uh, If we take a more macro view of humanity or a holistic view of the species, there may be an answer. A holistic perspective A holistic perspective of our species emphasizes the importance of the whole, of the interdependent parts. Uh, We perhaps need to rethink our assumptions about human behavior in a crowd, a pack, or a tribe. Perhaps humans are more like uh, bees, where they self-assign a job for the greater good of the colony based on the need of the colony. If there are no guards at the entrance of the hive, a bee will make uh, will take the job. And if a forager bee dwindles uh, in numbers in the return, if there's not enough forager bees coming back as compared to how many left, um, the, uh, the guards will take it upon themselves and become the forager bees, and someone else from the hive will take on the position as the guard, so or a as one of the guards. So there are uh, there are of course many other jobs. You know, there's uh, cleaners and makers of honeycomb and uh, and uh, propolis and, and and some guard bees that put uh, beetles in in a pseudo prison and all this other crazy stuff. But that's uh, that's sliding sideways. So perhaps there's an aspect of human consciousness that we are not aware of that is similar. Perhaps the idiot humans who put their head in the sand or knowingly try to isolate their feeble minds into a bubble are doing so for a reason that they are completely unaware of consciously. Perhaps this is a behavior of our genetic design as a species. It would have to be an aspect of our natural programming versus our nurtured or taught programming as no parent or teacher is cognizant of it, which they would have to be in order to teach it. Therefore, they cannot nurture us to have it. We have to, anyway, if we have it, it has to be from our nature, instincts, our, our DNA. So that I'm aware of anyways, perhaps there are some people that do know about it and are teaching people about it, uh, but I wasn't one of them. There may be uh, manipulators who have studied this in depth and uh, are now using this against us. But my hypothesis is that there are people who are instinctively making themselves sheep. Natural selection would only allow that if there were survival benefits for them to do so. Now, as individuals, there is clearly no benefit as it is detrimental to their personal well-being. So the benefit must be for others. Uh, Like the uh, alpha silverback gorilla who will sacrifice their own life in fighting off a threat to protect their troop. Perhaps there is a self-sacrifice idiot feature in humans 
to sacrifice themselves to protect the smarter ones and to give them time to run off. It seems crazy now, but in the savannas of our genetic history, it may not have been uh, the slow humans who were caught and eaten by the beasts. It may have been the self-sacrificing, bubble-living sheep who stopped, put their head in the sand, and then let the beast kill them while the smarter band of humans escaped. This would be done at a subconscious level, I assume, since we seem to be unaware of it. Uh, perhaps the observant humans would yell danger and the different ranks of human would behave accordingly. But the sheep freezing or pretending it doesn't exist. Perhaps this is why some humans freeze when they are scared. They are instinctively self-sacrificing sheep. They allow the other humans who are acting to uh, perhaps organize a defense or to counter an attack uh, or to make a counterattack or to preemptively attack or perhaps to organize a hunt to hunt and kill the predator. Teamwork. It's likely that we have different instinctive modes of behavior for different circumstances that we believe we are in. It's like the joke. Every group has an idiot. If you don't know who it is, it's you. <laughs> the, this pack behavior and instinctive division of labor would be a good defense feature for the survival of the species. This would then mean that there are parameters and criteria that our subconscious mind take into consideration and then decide on, which our conscious mind is totally blind to. Not just the criteria or the decision, but the entire process of our subconscious mind performing it. We are completely blind to that in its entirety. Apparently, this happens in uh, group hierarchy, so it is not without precedent. But again, these soft sciences are not real sciences. So we may be hardwired, predisposed, or have an activation code to make us act as one of the specific ranks, one of the specific jobs. A pseudo-collective consciousness manifested by our observation of who is doing what around us, like the bees. For example, sometimes when there's an emergency and no one is taking charge, one of the herd uh, humans uh, may step up out of their herd position and assume a leader position. Like the flock of geese flying in an echelon formation. One of them instinctively takes the, least, the lead based on their, their genetic programming. I don't think they consciously discuss who and vote on who will take the lead. It's just one of them instinctively does that. This may be the same mechanism that is happening with the humans and the, uh, the putting their head in the sand, but on a slightly more elevated level. So if my hypothesis is true, then there may be just a, uh, a math problem, a statistics problem, a uh, what percentage of people are critical thinkers and what percentage are bubble sheep, bubble-dwelling, self-imposed bubble-dwelling sheep. Now, it could be 80-20. That's a standard rule of thumb for a lot of things. I don't know why. Uh, or it could be something totally else. But uh, if this is the case, if this is true, that humans perceive a shortage of archetypes 
and then step in and become one of the archetypes that there's a shortage of. Uh, then uh, they're instinctively choosing to be happy, sacrificial sheep and live in their imaginary and very dangerous bubble of ignorance, self-imposed because they know it, right? Perhaps they're hearing the voices of the critical thinker makes them genetically think that they should be the sacrificial sheep. For what reason? I'm, I don't know. But uh, this could explain uh, what Gustave Le Bon had observed and wrote about in his seminal book, The Crowd. Um, he wrote this, uh, was 140 years ago. Is seminal even the right word? What does seminal even mean? Seminal fluid. I don't know. So he, he wrote that, uh, that more, the more evidence you give someone, the more sound logic you present, the more cogent your argument you give to an idiot, the more they resist, the more they push back, and the more deeper their delusion. I laughed when I read this because I thought it was funny. But I have since come to observe that this is indeed the case. So perhaps Gustav missed that they were feeding back on the critical arguments as per their genetic programming. And this was triggering them to, for whatever reason, to become the sheep. So they aren't malfunctioning. They are the sacrificial, the archetypical sacrificial sheep. They just don't know it. And, and neither do the critical thinkers who are arguing uh, pointlessly to them, right? Who are frustrated by the uh, inverted uh, response to uh, to more and better evidence the more they push against and, and, and fight against you. So that this feature is genetically hardwired would also explain why the level of education is inconsequential and has no effect on whether one is a sheep or not. Their subconscious... Gustav also mentioned this, that the, the level of, in, uh, of education is completely irrelevant, and I agree. Uh, so the, the subconscious of the sheep doesn't know or care uh, that they graduated with honors, that they have their master's, that they have their PhD or whatever. It doesn't care. It would make sense, right? Because why would we be genetically wired to care about something, that um, a modern construct of, of uh, graduation from university? So what your subconscious may be perceiving is circumstance. Perhaps the sheep instinctively judges the observant person's survival as more important than theirs for some unknown reason, because they are giving, perhaps because they are giving such a cogent argument or a well-observed argument, which the sheep may think that they are uh, incapable of themselves. I don't know. Or perhaps there are countless other factors that I am missing, which is highly likely. Perhaps it's simply hormones or pheromones. I did not believe in pheromones. I thought it was a totally fake thing uh, until I uh, started uh, working uh, in professional beekeeping, commercial beekeeping. I observed uh, people who were scared would get stung and the people who were chill and not scared would be left alone. And I'd seen this time and time again. And even with myself, sometimes I get spooked, they would sting me. But if I chilled out, they wouldn't sting me. So... It wasn't perfume or cologne or anything else. There were so many times that uh, I believe that pheromones are uh, likely a real phenomenon. 
So realizing this, I never wore beekeeping veils or gloves or anything, unless it was, of course, nighttime or we were losing, using lights or it was raining, in which case the bees are triggered by other reasons other than pheromones. They're triggered because they're pissed off at nighttime when you disturb them. They're pissed off when you shine lights at them at nighttime. They're pissed off when you open the hives in the rain, which is totally understandable. <laughs> but who knows what this ratio could be of uh, bubble people versus critical thinkers or observant. I'm not sure what exactly how to frame the opposite to the sheep, but uh, it probably wouldn't be too hard to determine uh, with polling. The observant people versus uh, sheep could have maybe variable ratios. Maybe it's not always constant. Maybe it fluctuates. It could be 80-20. It could be 99-1. It could be 999 to 1. Or more likely, it could be a varying window, say 80 to 20, plus or minus 19. It, if, if, if this is a hardwired genetic feature, it probably would be impossible to get the ratio to 100 sheep and zero observant critical thinkers because some of the sheep would automatically become uh, the guards of the gate, right? They would start, take, they would take that archetype, they would take on that uh, role. There would always be some observant sticklers. Perhaps uh, these are the people, uh, manipulators referred to as the resilient, uh, hard to reach. The, uh, the dissident agitators who refuse to believe the establishment lies. The doubting Thomases of, uh, of, of all religions, I guess, to their, uh, who their priests and imams and rabbis hate with the greatest of possible hate, right? The, the Jesus to the Jews, the, the Jew to the Muslim, the pagans to the Christian, the hated infidel, kafir, and goyim by all of the above. The, uh, the sheep activation code or mode uh, in humans might explain why most people don't know the name Gustav Laban or have heard of Edward Bernays. You know, even if they're exposed to it, they don't want to know consciously. They consciously say, I want to live in my bubble. I don't want to hear it. So if this hypothesis of intentional sheep mode and resilient dissident mode is true, then it may be not possible to have a universally accepted idea, a universally accepted religion, a universally accepted, con uh, accepted concept, uh, anything. There will always be a percentage of the population who pushes against something instinctively. And this may be uh, an intentional or beneficial design in our collective consciousness, like uh, from whoever, some gods or aliens or by natural selection, whatever natural selection, what that, what that even is. Where is that algorithm stored? Who knows, right? Like that, uh, like that Brad Pitt movie, uh, World War Z, where the, uh, the Jew guy says they have a system where if everyone in a council agrees, one of them has the obligation to take the opposite stance and act accordingly. Well, we may already have this, uh, we may already do this on an instinctive level, uh, at a species level, 
And this instinct may be older than animals, maybe older than plants. I'm not sure which one's older. Probably plants are older than animals, right? You'd think. All this crap uh, didn't just pop into my head by some magic force. It, it might have been in my DNA for billions of years. And going for a walk on that winter morning and slipping on ice was all that was needed to bring it to my conscious mind and spill a little bit of coffee on my jacket sleeve. Pissed me off. <laughs> if this is the case, then Carl Jung's collective consciousness may not be some woo-woo entity that exists in some other dimension of mind or other some fifth dimension or some other crazy dimension. It could very well exist in the material world. The materialists would be uh, happy to hear this. It may simply manifest as an individual's observation of what percentage of archetypes exist around them and in what proportion, and then the individual activates their genetic algorithms for whichever archetypes are in the shortest supply, like the bees noticing the shortage of guard bees at the entrance of a colony. This would mean that we humans are hardwired to live in large populations, which is mind-blowing and is perhaps evidence of intelligent design by aliens or gods or natural selection as uh, or whatever voodoo conscious entity you may or may not believe in. And it would imply that we are evolving towards a predetermined creature. As one would assume we evolved from very small groups and familial tribes, this may not be a necessary feature in our evolution, though it might have been. Perhaps this algorithm was necessary or advantageous for our survival at even that small group level. Every family has an idiot. <laughs> it reminds me of uh, something one, somebody once told me about uh, priests. They say, uh, priesthood is the job for the family idiot. <laughs> so... I don't know who came up with that, but I thought it was kind of funny because, you know, it's supposed to be, oh, holding, oh, the priest. Right? So to uh, to be fair, I'm going to include uh, imams. So uh, imam is the, the job for the family idiot, as is rabbi. Rabbi is the job for the family idiot. I'm just trying to implement equity, uh, equal outcome for all. <laughs> Anyways, so we are a social creature. Uh do we talk to each other to share ideas or to think out loud and work out our thoughts or both? Uh, we've all talked to people who are curious uh, about what we have to say, as well as people who are clearly not listening at all and uh, only talk themselves without listening. I'm sure we've all conversely done the, the, the opposite. We, uh, you know, been interested in what someone else has to say. And other times, perhaps, we talked out loud and didn't listen to them. And we were only working out our thoughts out loud. So it is a bit of both. Whatever brings the ideas from the back burner to the frontal lobes. So there have always been observant dissident writers, thinkers, artists who don't live in a bubble and are bent on discovering the truth. As there have always been a lot of sheep. You'd think that we don't need that many sheep for survival. We don't need 80% of the population to be sheep. 
maybe we do. I don't know. But there may be many manifestations of this dissident type mode. It may be based on contrarian behavior or on pra uh, perhaps on these subsets of different types of dissidents, critical thinkers, etc. Some dissidents may just be contrarians who are complete batshit crazy idiots, while others may be more critical. Again, if the, uh, the sheep algorithm is not based or concerned in any way uh, on one's education, then the dissident non-sheep mode would also not be based or interested on level of education of the person, in which case we could have complete idiot dissidents with highly educated sheep or any variation as education appears to not be a genetic factor in our determining of who the sheep and dissidents are, which makes sense. We wouldn't evolve to give a shit about which degrees we have. Confidence very well may be a factor, and that is probably something that is very old. As, uh, you know, I guess with confidence comes along not giving a shit about what others think to some extent. Like, what's that saying about the lions? The lions don't care about what the, uh, the gazelle thinks? Whatever the hell lions eat? I don't know. So, like roots in the, uh, the dirt or a branch of a tree towards the sun, this contrarian instinct to not get in the way or, or go the way of others, but to seek our own path may be very, very genetically old. You don't see tree branches all growing parallel to each other, although they can on very rare occasions. They spread out and they look like a neural, a neural, difficult word to say, a neural map. If, uh, if we evolved from snot in the primordial ooze, how much of our genetically ancient code do we still use today? There might be universal modes of our code from billions of years ago that still benefit us. Uh, some forms of logic that maybe we haven't really examined or perceived, which, you know, we are completely not cognizant of. It would make sense that the ancient stuff that worked well uh, and the fundamental levels of snot <laughs> would, would be the modes that we are designed around and would be uh, an abstract mode of logic or reasoning uh, that we don't consciously do that can be used in many different circumstances and perhaps most likely operate outside of our conscious mind as plants and low forms of life with no frontal lobes were able to use these modes of code back in the day. So are we arrogant to think we know anything? Yes, of course. I don't think we know hardly anything, right? If my hypothesis is true, uh, then this it's, it's impossible for a central cabal to dupe everyone. We as a species will revert to the mean of teams. Each team will have an average, right? Or classes of human or whatever, however you want to categorize this. If there's supposed to be an average of 5% of that type of person and we drop down to 2%, we will instinctively fill that back up to the 5% or whatever the percentages may be. If there's not enough guards at the gate of the entrance of the colony, we will become one. Outside pressures may push the, uh, the cell walls of the, the class proportions, but some genetic force will return us to the designated default of our genetics. 
If this feature is that old, then it would be a feature in all humans and in dogs and in birds and all forms of animal life and probably not vary to any significant amount in humans, in which case they would not be able to breed it out of us. They being the evil globalists or whoever the evil authorities who are trying to uh, take control, whoever that may be of the day kings of the past, globalists of today. Perhaps these deep-seated genetic algorithms are used by evolution as the foundation to other traits which may come and go with species, but the valid root concept will remain. If it's a fundamental truth of logic uh, to life in this objective reality, it will remain. It is perhaps a... Uh, definitional, if that's even a word, a definitional component of our existence and cannot be removed from humans. Perhaps this is known already. I am certainly not a genius, so others, much smarter than I am, would likely have also thought of this, whose job it is to think of, abs uh, of such absurdities. Perhaps this is the reason behind the post-human movement, by the pathologically power-hungry globalist sociopaths. They can't, they, they kill off a certain number of dissidents and new ones will appear. You chop the head off the hydra and more will appear. And they probably know this is a genetic trait of humans and they can't breed it out of us. So what are they going to do? What solution could you come up with? You need to bypass the human genetic code. So how would one do that? They would have to genetically modify existing humans artificially. Perhaps a genetic modification technology that the layperson would not understand. Not without some tutorials. Anyways, perhaps something injected or released in a uh, highly programmed virus. Or perhaps something beyond what a meathead like me could come off or, or guess uh, off, the, uh, off the cuff. Regardless, the post-human movement should be scrutinized with an unblinking eye who is pushing this post-human, uh, post-humanism today. The same group that is pushing population control and mRNA jabs and is currently trying to regain the trust of the idiot masses, the crowd. And if very concerned uh, with people pushing back. They're, they're not if, it's they are very concerned with pushing people back against their PR narratives. And they call this pushback misinformation, which is a redefinition of the word. Misinformation used to just mean misunderstanding. Somebody misinformed you. They were, they were mistaken. Whereas disinformation means intentionally misinforming you. But now these scummy globalists have redefined misinformation to be whatever they don't want uh, being told. So redefinition is how manipulators roll.